Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your Legacy newbie this week. And with me, as always, Mr. Gerald Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. Just an excruciating pain. We're, we're all good. Excruciating pain? <laughs> Dude, I... Br- did, somebody make you, did somebody make you watch Rogue One? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, I bruised my tailbone, Pat. And let me tell you, bruising your tailbone is like the... the Worst uh, injury because it's like you want to stand up, no, terrible pain. You want to sit down, no, terrible pain. You want to lie down, no, terrible pain. Like literally, no matter what position you are in, you are always just like hurting your tailbone. Yeah, Jerry. You're, I mean, usually when you're into that kind of activity, you really need to warm yourself up first. You can't just go a whole hog right away. It, you got to warm yourself up. It's true. It, it's I'm a, it's showing my age. You know, I'm not as I'm mm-hmm. not as flexible or. As I used to be, I can't spring back from these injuries. <laughs> I've just been I've been hobbling around my apartment for the last two days with a bruised tailbone. <laughs> now, I, that, I have to ask, how did you bruise your tailbone? Did you like slip on some ice? I don't know. I just woke up like this. Like, that's how you know when you're really old, Pat. You just wake up with injuries. Uh, I would say I would say maybe go to a doctor because I don't think you bruise your tailbone and not know it. The only time I bruised my tailbone, it was very apparent when it happened. Well, I mean, I just get banged around all over the place, so you never know what, uh, what could be the source I of I mean, this. I guess, unless you're just not telling us of some extracurricular activities you've been <laughs> into, but I think I'm gonna, I'm just going to say that if it persists for a few more days, I would I would see a doctor. All right. I'll see Dr. McGillicuddy about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let, yep. Okay. Sure. <laughs> That's not going to go well, but okay. <laughs> stop, stop using alcohol as a crutch. Get real crutches. Otherwise, leg will never heal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, you've been playing a lot of Magic lately? Uh, you know, as much as I can on Magic Online. Um, yep. After we had uh, Jordan on the cast, uh, I put together a, <laughs> a mono-red polymorph deck. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Using, uh, I forget what they're called, it's like Reality Shift or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it uses uh, uh, Dragon Fodder, which is one in a- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one in a red for a sorcery that's like put two one one goblin tokens into play, which is great. It's a sorcery; you can find it with Burning Wish. And then there's also two like Commander cards that's like two red red sacrifice a permanent, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a permanent that shares a type with it, and put that into play. Mm-hmm. So I just have like some. Grizzlebrand's Emrakul Progenitus, and then I just sacrificed my goblin tokens, and I put a big fat fatty into play. <laughs> That's awesome. So I've been going 0-5 with that list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that seems like it's right up your alley. So Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been losing left and right with it, but it's a ton of fun. And nice. the number of just, like, question marks typed into a chat every time I cast Dragon Fodder in a legacy match is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I saw Jordan was streaming, and then I I, uh, I got on too late to, uh, to to catch it uh, while it was going. But uh, I'm definitely gonna try to check him out next time I, I see him going because uh, I love me some legacy legacy games, man. 
I miss it. I miss it. It's true. It's true. You know, to speak to that point, we have a special individual on the cast today who is doing Indeed. doing his darndest to bring that sweet, sweet legacy data to uh, our listeners' uh, fingertips. Uh, so welcome back on the cast, uh, Mr. Joseph Dyer. How you doing, Joe? Hey, you know, uh, going 05 with uh, Transmogrify, Jerry. That's that's <laughs> trans, Transmogrify. Let me tell you this. I, I went 05 playing Bears. Yes. I did, I did record, a, record a leak playing uh, Bear Stompy. Bear and, Stompy. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, I won one game. Uh, <laughs> that's all it takes that's all it takes to just like just justify it's like all right we can do this yep, we got yep, there <laughs> yep. fortunately it was in like the last match and i was already zero and four <laughs> so but uh yeah you know <laughs> it was fun uh yeah i'm doing all right uh you know just kind of been busy <laughs> uh mm-hmm, so i mm-hmm. uh, got a lot going on right now uh and haven't really been playing a lot of magic actually <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, I I feel kind of everyone's in in that uh, spot where it's just hard to hard to uh, you know keep the gears running with uh, you know not a lot of events to you know either talk about or prepare for or you know just get hyped about. I felt it was kind of the same thing with me with like music. Like when you're in high school and college and you have like a college band, it's awesome to like you can play your instrument and get really hyped about it. But then as soon as you enter the real world. You don't have as many like reasons to pick up that guitar or drum set. And so that's why it just kind of falls by the wayside for a lot of people. And I kind of feel that way with magic for a lot of us. Like without these events to go to, a lot of people are just kind of having it fall by the wayside until they can get hyped about it again. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a very similar spot. Like I can't get into magic online and, and just the, the webcam games are fun. But yeah, I just I just got to wait for paper to open back up, man. That's what it is for me. Yeah, I um my my bigger issue is that it's a more like mental exhaustion. Uh so I'm writing two two articles a week at this point oh, with, between both the vintage and the legacy article. By the time I get done writing my articles, I'm <laughs> pretty much mentally drained a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I can like, well, I need a little bit of a break. <laughs> I'm like, I think I could <laughs> probably fire up Magic Online and play a couple games. Meh. <laughs> yes yeah exactly. Nah, exactly okay maybe now so yeah and that's just i i'm kind of lazy and i'll take the lazy way out uh <laughs> so and i'm trying not well, yeah. to be but you know <laughs> so you write so you write uh i know you write this week in legacy which is your legacy focus article. what's what's your other article that you write uh i i also write the vintage 101 article for the for the same oh. website yeah yeah gotcha yeah so you covering all the bases with legacy and vintage yeah <laughs> uh, that's got to be a struggle because i mean we've definitely felt that with the uh, podcast you know we, we sometimes struggle to have things to talk about uh, especially mm-hmm. in this day and age. like you have to even go a step above where you actually have to write an article every week like yeah you know, how, how are you uh you know how do you find things to write about uh i spend a lot of time in discord and stuff and i just talk to people uh mainly and a lot of things come up where I have these ideas for like quarterly things I do as well. Uh, like I have mm-hmm. upcoming uh, what we've now affectionately termed the legacy roundtable uh, articles that I've done. I have the EOI 2020 wrap up one coming up soon. Uh, and so I'll reach out to a bunch of different people, content creators, players, this sort of thing. People that are in the community spend a lot of time with the format like I do and have thoughts about the format that they want to share 
and whatnot and bring them on. Uh, occasionally I get lucky and there's set reviews, <laughs> you know, every, that's, I love spoiler season because at least it gives me something to talk about. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, and then I just kind of just hunt for things, uh, based on kind of what's going on. Like people are talking about this deck or that deck and I'll do mm-hmm. like something on that deck or this deck that to talk about and just try to make it interesting and fun for people. Um, you know, so uh, Commander Legends was great because I got to talk about a lot <laughs> with Commander Legends. So, uh, and at length too. My set review was pretty lengthy for that one, so uh, that was kind of nice to kind of be able to have something to talk about. But uh, and Eternal Weekend helped this year too. So, mm-hmm. oh. so speaking of uh, Commander Legends, you know there were a couple cards that people were throwing around as uh, potential playables. We've seen some of them. Uh, you know, start to show up on, in lists. I think probably most notable is uh, Hull Breacher. Yeah. Um, what was kind of your expectations for Commander Legends and anything showing up that's kind of taking you by surprise? Uh, so most of the stuff that I generally looked at uh, that I thought was going to be good uh, has kind of showed up here or there. Hull uh, Breacher, obviously, uh, was one of the cards that I was like, okay, this card's probably pretty dumb. And sure mm-hmm. enough, it pretty much is <laughs> uh yep. opposition agent was the other card that was like okay this is probably dumb but i don't know how good it really is and as it turns out it's just kind of medium uh you know the, a lot of the decks that are actually playing it are the decks that i kind of called playing it which was like decks like esper Vile, uh where they have the ability to like tutor up with it with a recruiter of the guard uh yep. so that's like one of the decks where i was like okay this is probably going to play probably both of these cards. It's probably going to play both Hull Breacher and Opposition Agent, and sure enough, they are. <laughs> uh, and of right. course, they're both playing a main deck because they don't care. It's They can put them back with Brainstorm. They can recruit or the guard them. They don't care <laughs> if it's in hand. It's not never a dead card, essentially. How, how long... Yeah, how long until Esper Vile just turns into an Esper version of Nick Fit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the deck is pretty much like... A, like the best like recruiter of the guard shell i think it it definitely yeah. abuses recruiter of the guard very much and uh soul hoarder soul hoarder definitely plays a lot into that uh but yeah being able to like and especially like the meddling mage aspect of the deck uh, it's just a deck that just has a bunch of one-ofs that they can just abuse uh in specific matchups and that's what's good about it um but and then uh, there were a couple other cards that I had seen. Uh, one notably was uh, Court of Cunning. Uh, and I was expecting mm-hmm. that to show up in some places. And sure enough, some people are trying that out uh, all over the place. And there's been a lot of people generating content with that card. Uh, now, we haven't seen it show up in like measured results like a big time just yet. But there are people playing it in leagues and playing it in challenges from what I understand. So... And uh, that's shown up in a varying number of ways. I've seen Delverless, like Blue Red Delverless, playing a couple of them, like in the sideboard, because mm-hmm. uh, it seems kind of good when you're <laughs> uh, in a long, t- long, long game grind against like a Miracles or you know Snoko style deck. Mm-hmm. You can uh, grind them out uh, with that card. Uh, but then also I've seen like um, there's a player on. Twitter, uh, I think it's Pow. I, think, I can't remember the exact player, the player's moto name offhand, but they uh, built a uh, Bant Monarch version of the deck with uh, Noble Hierarch. So you could go like turn one Noble Hierarch into two, turn two Court of Cunning. 
uh, and then possibly just like escape your Uro on turn three. And that seems kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, that's so, pretty good. And they've that's been putting up a, a fair middling of four ones and five O's with that deck. So uh, I'm excited to see that be a thing. Court of Grace was in the, was the one I had actually thought was going to be better, and it's been kind of nowhere. So mm. I'm. Which one was that? Which one was Court of Court Grace? Grace is the white one that when you're not the monarch, you get a one one flyer, and if you are the monarch, you get a four four flyer. Okay. So I saw. Was it Phil who uh, posted a list like with moat? Uh, and, um, maybe Brian. Might have been maybe Brian. Yeah, yeah, maybe Brian. Yeah, it was like Moat uh, Court of Grace, and then the um, I forget. It's like three and a white. Return all enchantments from your graveyard. Replenish. To... Replenish. Yeah, replenish. Yeah. So it was like Court of Grace, uh, Moat, uh, Sharknado. Yeah. So like the standstill, yeah. and then like replenish to like bring it all back. And I just yeah. I thought that was a really cool list. Yeah, yeah, that, and well, and especially like Court of Cunning can enable that deck really well. Because you can mill yourself yep. and then cast replenish and get back all of your stuff that you just milled. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of shells for that card. I just don't think the right shell's been found yet. Uh, hmm. But I it's the the thing about that card is three mana for you become the monarch is exceptionally good, and hmm. uh, at that point, like even the decks that are casting the card are either going to cast it on a, a fast curve, like turn two with a, a mana dork, or they're going to cast it late game where they can protect it. And uh, if it's cast late game, they're generally in a position where they're winning the game, and that's their clock. So, And they can just mill you out of the game. Or it enables them to cast like cards like Uro and stuff like that faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I've, I've seen it kind of show up a little bit. I know Anurag was playing it up with really heavily that weekend and felt pretty happy with the card so i generally consider when honorog is playing with something and says it's good i'm inclined to believe it's good Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he is a he is a really smart head for uh card evaluation so uh i generally tend to believe him when he says something is good so Mm -hmm. uh whole breacher yeah especially he said the same thing about that card it's kind of dumb but (laughs) but uh I haven't gotten a chance to play around a lot with it too much. I'm still not sure about the status of me being able to rent uh, cards with uh, card order with Commander mm-hmm. Legends because the supply issues with that set online. And Oh, is there a lot of supply issues with it? So the initial week that it came out, there were a lot of weird supply issues because the uh, only way to acquire the cards during that week was to draft. And mm-hmm. the draft experience is miserable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I gotta. Well, the draft itself the draft is itself fine. is fine. It's the gameplay yeah, experience that's miserable on mode. It took Online. me. I I did one draft of Commander Legends, and I think we talked about this on a previous episode. But yeah, it took me an entire week to do a single draft. Yeah, and like usually, I'm the type of person where I'll sit down, and even though leagues exist, I'm still the type of person that will like play an entire league in one sitting. Right. Uh, but like the Commander Legends, like. You're talking like nine hours of gameplay for a single. Ooh, yeah. Draft, oh yeah. Which, it's it's uh, awful. And, yeah. Which is great for bang for your buck, but is terrible for card supply. Yep. So yeah, I, I see what you're saying now about card availability. Yeah. And so it got to the point where people were rare drafting the set and then just dropping the league. <laughs> and yeah. then yeah. And, which is not the best experience for right. A draft and then right. turning around and selling the cards off to bots. 
So at one point, mm. Hole Breacher went up to a little over 100 ticks. Holy wow. <laughs> Good lord. So, yeah. Uh, and that was like the highest cost card of the set uh, at that point because mm. the other people that were playing it that were wanting to play it were the vintage players. And so, every yeah, right. there's there's a deck that's kind of been come out well, of the vintage where they're playing for that card and a bunch of wheels. <laughs> what what is Oof. it that makes Hull Breacher such an uh, an alluring card in Legacy? Uh, it shuts off brainstorms. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that, but like you have Notion Thief. Yeah, right? but like I, so I don't this know. costs like, one less than Notion. The Notion right. Thief. It's also in one color, uh, and yep. it has and it the body is a little beefier at a three two. Right. Uh, so right. on the back end, uh, but it's also the fact that it works better with Ancient Tomb. I think is really the best is the the thing. Oh, because it's two and a blue, yeah, right? Because it's two and a blue. It works way better with Ancient Tomb, which works way better with the current Echo of Eons and Lion's Eye Diamond. <laughs> so sure, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, that deck is kind of gone from being one of the year's sleeper decks, where mm-hmm. a lot a lot of people were playing that deck. And not because a lot of people didn't really understand how good the deck was. And even yeah. I've said for the longest time, look, this is like a sleeper deck that you shouldn't sit on because it's really good. And it's really absurdly powerful. And now everybody wants to play it because Hull Breacher exists. <laughs> so mm-hmm. now it's on everybody's radar. Yeah. Huh. Well, also, like, the ramp from Hull Breacher seems really powerful. Yes. Too. The fact that you can, like, flash in a Hull Breacher in, resp- in response to a Brainstorm get three treasure tokens and use those three treasure tokens to then cast your, uh, 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 aeons. Right. Like that, that just feels pretty disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if you cast echo of eons, you can just, Oh, look, I made seven mana. Uh, here's an Urza. <laughs> now, now right. I don't have to sacrifice the treasures, you know, for, right. you know, mana. I can just tap them for mana. And yeah, so right. the card, so the card's really good with Urza. It's really good with, uh, just everything that the, the Karn Echo Stompy deck wants to be doing. And it's just another one of the cards in the deck that's a must-answer threat. Uh, which is, like, literally all that deck does. Uh, the into- Everything that that deck does is must is either card draw, mana ramp, or must-answer threat. And so mm. if your opponent resolves Narset, you're like, oh crap, I gotta answer this. But then they, like, flash in Hullbreacher, and you're like, crap, I gotta answer that. Uh, and they're like, here's Urza, and you're like, oh, I gotta answer that. Here's Karn, oh, you gotta answer that. Like, there's, the whole deck is nothing but must-answer cards. <laughs> uh, it's just Haymaker Control, uh, Haymaker Combo, uh, and just, you know, make you have to answer everything I do, uh, mm-hmm. and hope you have enough counterspells or removal or something to answer it. Because uh, if you don't, you roll over and die. <laughs> Man, I am not looking forward to the day when I activate Grizzlebrand and my opponent flies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be gross. Uh, I'm pretty sure you Yeesh. just activate Grizzlebrand again at that point and then try and find a counterspell, I guess. So, you know what I found that's been pretty interesting is that I find myself reaching for my progenitises way more often. Yeah. Like, it feels like Emmercool and Grizzlebrands, there are so many answers for him now these days, and just the where, where the meta's at right now, that just having the protection of Progenitus is actually relevant again. And for years and years, that just wasn't the case. Yeah, I've certainly lost a fair share of Elves matchups to them having like a fast Progenitus off a of natural order, whereas a Crater Hoof wouldn't have won them the game, and I could have gotten there. 
Like I've certainly had that happen. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy with commander legends. There's a couple cards I want to see. I want to play around with that. Once I have the time to get, uh, sit down and actually have the time to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's like one of them is Dargo. I want to play around with that a little bit because I I think that Which card's kind of the the Dargo. pirate, the pirate, the giant pirate. Oh, the Ata, yeah, that yeah. pirate. I actually got I got that in draft, and I I had a blue red artifact deck uh, with that guy, and he is awesome. Yeah, I would like to, I, th- I I liken that card to Hogak, and I think that's what makes I it makes it interesting because it's a you know similar power toughness range of creature, but it also has trample and. It costs very le- less low amount of mana to put into play on average, and it reminds me of uh, uh it's the it's a modern card, but it's like it's one re- oh greater Gargadon, yeah, that's what it reminds yeah. me of, yeah. Without having to you know waste a go do it over turns, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I used to play that card actually in modern a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I when I actually played modern, yeah. Oh, there was a there was a time period where that was good in dredge, uh, because hmm. you could uh, trigger. Well, no, it was it wasn't dredge. It was uh, the venge one of the vengevine decks, because you could mm-hmm. put it. You could use it to sacrifice things for bridge from below, and stuff like that. Before modern horizons gave us altar of dementia and an actual good you know deck. <laughs> yeah, that exists. So. <laughs> But uh, so, I mean, Commander Legends, I feel Wizards kind of hit the sweet spot where it wasn't another Modern Horizons debacle where they just did all these souped up overpowered cards that just broke the format in half. But they gave us plenty of cards that are actually interesting for Legacy. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't when I look at Commander Legends, I don't see anything that like makes me worried about legacy the way i did for yes. Modern horizons yeah nothing's like super busted yeah we didn't get an euro we didn't get anything crazy like that in the yeah set. i will say that this set is very much like modern horizons for commander actually uh oh, yeah. oh it has, yeah. has it shaken up commander oh quite yeah a bit? yeah there's tons of stuff in the set that make that especially like those impactful printings like hull breacher and opposition agent those are just awful cards for that format honestly <laughs> really oh, yeah I, I don't know, because they're so asymmetrical, and you're right. just like, all right, who asked for this? Because I don't think anybody really did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my, my biggest pet peeve from a commander standpoint is the uh, the five mana artifacts that can be any color you want part- with partner uh, commander. So it just like, it turns the rules of commander on its head. It's like, Hey, I know this commander is only two colors, but you really want to fit a third color in. So here's an artifact that lets you just do that. We'll just pretend mm-hmm. it has another color. Oh, you mean the Piper? Yeah. The Piper. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a colorless card that can be, yeah, it's, it's not just, an it artifact. Just, it's yeah. literally, just I understand. Like, take, I understand why, why they, they did, did it for draft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it makes sense for draft, but I don't understand why uh that needed to happen. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, for 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 commander players. Just that's, because that's like re- like restriction breeds creativity. Like why are you taking away this restriction? You're just going to it just leads to more bland decks that look exactly like the other deck that does the same thing. And it just like you get this homogenization which leads to boring games of magic. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. Should we talk about some data then? 
Yeah, let's, let's dive. Do it. Let's yeah. dive into some data. So, yeah, so you have a a new little project that you're start starting up due to. Well, I guess I won't put words in your mouth. Tell us, tell us why you started this project and you know what you're hoping to accomplish with it. So I I've been noticing a lot lately that people are talking about the format again from a standpoint of ban and restriction. We're talking about you know. Cards like Oko, cards like Uro, Dreadhorde Arcanist, all these cards that everybody's like, eh, Arkham's Astrolabe, that people want, to, people want to get banned or people are upset with. People claim that, you know, Snow is too good. People claim, people claim that Snow is not good enough. Uh, you know, there's all this information out there that people are talking about. And mm-hmm. I, in, in being a part of the Vintage community uh, and being a part of the Vintage Discord where those guys exist... Uh, there's, um, a group of people on there, uh, headed by, uh, Justin Gennari, uh, who is, I am actually level one on Twitter or no, no, he's not that on Twitter. It's, uh, Janair on Twitter. Uh, but I am actually level one on Twitch, uh, heavily, heavy PO type player. He plays a lot of different stuff, but he also helps assist this group with recording data from the vintage challenges. And, uh, what they do is every week, uh, whoever's playing in the challenge that week, there's usually a couple of them that are doing it. They will go back and they, after the event is done, they will sit there and they will watch magic online replays and they mm. will use that to fill in the blanks of the data that we wouldn't get from wizards publication. Cause mm-hmm. the, the wizards publication is only going to give us the top 32 lists. Right. And a lot of these de- you know, events have, you know, 60 something players in them, you know, or, you know, right. like the vintage challenges, Generally, on average, you know, about 60, you know, 50 to 60 players or whatever per challenge mm-hmm. or not. So that's, you know, 30, 30 to 40 something decks that we don't know about. Uh, right. uh, and these guys tirelessly every week go in, go back, fill in all the people's names, fill in their records, go back and watch replays and see what they were playing. That's impressive. That's cool. That's a lot of it work. Is. Yeah, it's very tedious. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's that's what they do. They go and they figure that out so that they can, and then they plug all this information into a spreadsheet, and this spreadsheet spits back things like metagame percentage and match win percentage and things, information that can be mm-hmm. useful to draw conclusions about the format. Uh, and I thought, man, why don't we have something like that for the legacy challenges? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I've been working with Justin uh, and I've been working with the other guy who actually started the original uh, data collection, which was uh, Matt Murray, uh, AKA chubby rain. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he's the one who actually started this whole project originally for the vintage folks. And Justin kind of just took it over uh, since Matt's not really playing a whole lot of vintage right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I've been working with those guys kind of adapting their technology, their sheets they've done because I'm not going to recreate this stuff by myself. It's, right. It seems silly to. They've created a pretty good formula uh, of uh, Google Sheets to do this work with. All I need to do is change what archetypes and what sub-archetypes there are for Legacy. Huh. Uh, so I've been working on that recently and kind of getting those back. It goes into place. I started a Discord that I posted a link to for people to come in and if they want to help. And that's basically all I'm looking for at this point is I, I can't do yep. this by myself. Uh, I can barely play in some of these challenges as is. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm just kind of looking for people that would be, if you're already playing the challenge that weekend and you've got some time to kill and want to watch some matches and fit, put it, fill in some data, 
that's all I ask. Like that's all I that's mm. all I care for. So because it's it's just it's tedious to watch, but to sit there and watch. But that's like the hard part <laughs> because yeah, yeah. you're just sitting there watching matches. Uh, and occasionally, Magic Online can be a piece of crap. <laughs> oh, okay. With only that, occasionally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? From what I I heard at one point, Justin told me that at one point during one of the Eternal Weekend, uh, when they were trying to do this for one of the Eternal Weekends for Vintage, mm-hmm. uh, Magic Online was taking up like over ten gig on his computer watching replays. Wow. <laughs> but there was like four or five hundred, you know, almost three hundred, four hundred players. Yeah. Like their normal yeah. events don't usually do that because they're only like 50, 60 players, you know? Gotcha. So, and I've heard S- like average attendance of like some of the, like the legacy stuff has been in like the upper like eighties to hundreds or mm-hmm. so. So I don't think it would be too bad for legacy either. So these video, these uh, match recordings are available to anyone who wants to watch them. No, basically. no. The, the, the problem is, is you have to be in the event. Uh, okay. So you have to be in the event, and you have to not close the event window after the event is over. <laughs> okay. Once the event is over, any of the replays of any of the matches in the event are available for you to watch as long as you don't clo- close the window. Interesting. Gotcha. And I did not know yeah, that. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And you can go back and watch every previous round if you wanted to. So... Mm. And it, so it's, but it's just, again, it's just tedious. <laughs> you know, you just got to yeah. have to kind of fill in where, uh, where you can find, you know, the information. And so basically they're just doing the same thing, having a sheet ready for the weekend, uh, for the two events every weekend, having it set up so that you, you know, somebody can do it, mm-hmm. get in there and do it. And then fill in that information to the spreadsheet. Now, once right. the spreadsheet's filled in, then it will do all the calculations and everything. Like they don't have to do anything with the, all they have to do is fill in what the information is. Hmm. So, so, so if any of our listeners are, are like really interested and they want to help out with this project, what's kind of like the best way for them to kind of get in contact with you to, to get involved? Uh, the discord server. Uh, so uh, I, I think I, I, po- I posted that in the leaving the legacy Facebook group. Um, yep, yeah, but, I saw that there. Um, you know, just wherever you guys want to post that too. I also posted on Twitter. Uh, as well at VorathXP on Twitter. Uh, basically, just the Discord server is probably the best way to get in touch mm-hmm. with me because that also has all the information on how to do everything. So we, I wrote up a document on how to watch the replays and mm-hmm. how to fill in the sheet and all that stuff, and made try to make it as easy as possible. So, so, so let me l- let me ask you. So, there's a lot of work that goes into this, right? What's the, what are you hoping is going to be like the the benefit? What's the upside of doing all this extra work for uh, for people who are volunteering? So and yourself, yeah. So my my point of this whole thing is wanting to get a little bit more information on the format, on mm-hmm. where the format is right now, and really what the win rates and stuff of these decks look like, uh, because okay. uh, you know there's a lot of misinformation are out there, and it's not necessarily misinformation, but it's quite possibly just information that is not complete uh, mm-hmm. where people are like, well, snow seems to be everywhere and it seems to be too good. Like snow's too good. You know, there's it's, but according to wizards and the, when we had the banning of astrolabe and modern that the win rates of snow and the presence of snow doesn't seem to suggest that it's a problem. That Right. right. So is that true or not? Is really mm-hmm. what I want to find out. Like, is, is that accurate? Is what are the win rates of snow? What's the win rate of rug Delver? right now like what is the win rate of other decks in the format you know 
what what is you know where's where's the metagame percentage actually coming from like you know how is it converting you know up into you know the top 32 and top 16 and top 8 that sort of thing right you know so i i just want to see more about the format because i'm a big per- fan of data uh, yep. i'm a big fan of more data whenever possible and i feel like it's a good thing to get a p- more complete picture because the vintage guys having their data when you look at the data that they have and the data that they present it looks really good like mm-hmm. people can have their complaints about vintage as a format at like in any amount of time but yep the data can prove a certain thing is occurring a trend is occurring or it can prove that a trend isn't occurring and yep. like right now if you look at like their sheets on vintage vintage looks great right now like the yeah. format looks fantastic it's very diverse there's a lot of stuff going on there's things there are certain decks that are like you know may seem you know somewhat problematic but when you actually look at the real data you're like eh, okay i get it like it's they're actually not hmm. that bad like people were upset about bizarre baghdad decks you know primarily because dredge is big uh hogak yep. and those those kind of decks but when you look at the actual like win rates of those decks it doesn't seem to suggest any you know real you know action should be taken right now mm-hmm. the the metagame keeps shifting a lot it's back and forth and that's happened and and what i see happening with legacy week to week when i look at these challenge events is it seems like the same thing's happening with legacy okay. uh, you know these these challenge events are you know not dominated by snow and and delver maybe one event a weekend is mm-hmm. you know maybe you get one event where there's three snow decks in the top eight you know or there's a you know three or three rug delver decks or two rug delver decks and a blue red delver you know whatever happens to be that yeah. composition yep uh and then you know but next week there'll be like four elves decks or right. you know right. two elves decks and a two there was a there was an event i think last month or like the like within the past two months that had cl- double cloud post as the finals <laughs> of the de- of the event, <laughs> and you're like, huh? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> spaghetti overlords. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because, like, so I think the only thing that my only concern with you know how much how much information can you really kind of draw out of the metagame, being that the tournaments are only like eighty people. That's like a that's like a one k, you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah, it's not a ton of people. It's hard. I think it's hard. I would imagine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm I'm certainly probably wrong in this. But how much can you really infer from from a, a set of eighty people, the major, the vast majority of whom are like, you know, moto grinders, and I mean, just what can you really infer from the from the metagame from from such a small sample size? I guess, well, well right I'm now, I, I think I think what it boils down to is that. Sample size is what you what what when you go to go to a larger sample size of record recording data for across a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So at first you're not going to be able to draw much conclusion because you know for a couple events, like that's right. not going to draw you anything. But a couple months down the line, that picture will mm-hmm. change. Uh, right. They've like I said, the the vintage folks when they're with their data that they're pulling and whatnot and getting. They're, they've recorded data for literally, I've heard somewhere in the range of like over 1800 matches of vintage. Wow. Like, I mean, it's, it's an insanely high number and yeah. that's a lot. That's a big data size, the data set. Hmm. And when you combine all that and uh, to kind of look at it 
in a combined sense, that can give you a bigger picture. So you're you're also taking like specific matchup data. You're not just looking at like this deck has a sixty percent win rate against the field. You're doing like this deck has a sixty percent win rate against this other deck. Uh, not particularly. I don't. I, I'm not a big uh, understanding of the math on the 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 sheet. They're the what they're pulling is match win percentage with mirrors, and but you're you're going to be able to over time be able to piece that together and make it look more coherent. Hmm. So, because because I feel that's a big part of the data that does get missed. Uh, yeah. When you just look at like top eights, like oh, this deck is consistently showing up in top eight, but you don't know what decks it beat to get there. Like, yeah, if right. we're seeing yeah. like Snowco in the top eight every week, that might be a problem. But if it's in the top eight every week because every week it's versing the same decks that lose to Snowco, well, mm-hmm. then that's not an issue with Snowco being too good. That's an issue with people not diversifying the deck choices enough. But if it's Right, every week right. Snoko's in the top eight and it's beating, you know, 20 different decks to get into the top eight every week. Well, now that's a problem because now Snoko is not only top eighting every week, it's top eighting every week while consistently beating a wide range of decks. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case with Snoko at this point. Like, you think, I think, you think that, it's more the first scenario where it's just like yeah, Snoko keeps in the yeah. top eight because it keeps going against uh, the same and there's some to uh, And there's some weekends where it doesn't even appear in a top eight. Yeah, no, you that's know, true. So, like we definitely I mean, you know, Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely it's it, I'm not saying it's not a good deck. It is. Obviously, it's a good deck. Uh and mm-hmm. obviously it's a popular deck. Uh and I think that is more akin to the fact that if you want to play some form of mid-range control in the format right now, that's kind of the shell you're going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh and that in itself is a different discussion, obviously. That's a discussion of homogenization of that archetype, and that's potentially also bad <laughs> because uh, you know the formats. You know, there's no diversification in the control mid range piles. Uh, you know, you don't have you know miracles, and you don't have this or that that makes you know some a different control deck than miracles. But even when we had miracles, top miracles, like that was the deck you played if you wanted to play control. Right. So we really haven't had a whole lot of real diversification. This is just a new version of that uh, in the control mid-range piles. And mm-hmm. it's but what people don't like about it, obviously, is the gameplay patterns. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the gameplay patterns of Snow are kind of boring. Just a little mm-hmm. bit. That's boring to play against, and it's boring to play with a little bit. Uh, kind of like kind of like countertop. Yeah, just a little yeah, bit like that. just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't mind countertop so much during that era, but yeah, it was there was certainly times where you were like, I don't want to play Magic anymore after playing the countertop matchup. Sensei's yep. Divining Top died for Terminus's sins. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so I so I mean, people are upset with cards like Oko and Uro, and I I think Uro is possibly a little too good for those decks because it pushed those decks to have to play Uro in order to mm-hmm. be competitive. Uh, and that just further homogenizes the shell. But I don't know. I, I just, I want to see where these decks sit. I want to see where, you know, the long-term over a couple months, what's, what happened in the format? Like, okay, th- this week, you know, it seemed like snow didn't have such a great showing. 
why was that? You know, and trying to dig right. deeper into that, you know, or this mm. week elves had a really good showing. Hmm. Was it just because there was yeah. more people playing elves or, or it was just, just the right people playing elves? You know, because I, th- I think the format is still at a place like people will, you know, extrude the idea that, uh, you know, legacy is at a point where, you know, you just slam big haymakers and that just wins you games. But I think we're still at a place where uh, format, the, the mastering your deck really still matters. 100%. And yeah. there are still yeah. people out there that play these decks that like decks like elves, guys like Newton Hang and, um, you know, Adam Wallace. And stuff like mm-hmm. that that are really just so good at the deck that yeah. know it inside and out and have been playing it for years. And that helps a lot. And yep. they've just taken what they know about their archetype and they've adapted to the new world. Mm-hmm. And either card choices, having to make different card choices or different play decisions uh, against these types of the other types of decks. Uh, I mean, we saw two different versions of elves this year. That exist. Mm-hmm. There's and actually, I think there's now like kind of like three different kinds because I, I just saw some builds that are not even playing cards like Progenitus or Archon of Valor's Reach. It's strictly green black, and mm-hmm. they're getting to play. They're just playing Crater Hoof. They're going deep on that plan. Yeah, and uh, you know, but the and then you have you know the typical you know Nettle Sentinel for Allosaur Shepherd builds, and then you have the Elvish right. Reclaimer builds, which Newton has been big on. With yep. the once upon a time, so that people are trying different things uh, and trying to diversify and understand how the meta game is going. I don't know. I just be. I just really just want to want to see what's going on. Mm. <laughs> it's really the biggest <laughs> thing. I want to. I just want to see more. Uh, yeah. Tracking yep. the top thirty-two every week is getting a little lackluster, and I, I want to. Oh yeah, to... like yeah. So, I mean, you're preaching to the choir for sure. Like yeah. a lot of times, like I said, Jerry and I. We're not going, you know, for us, like a lot of the fuel, a lot of the excitement for our, for the podcast, at least for myself, is going out and playing in the local tournaments, even the FNMs that we have. It's just right. that's where I get the fire from it. And uh, it's just, yeah, talking about t- the top, t- you know, the top uh, finishers in the challenge week after week just doesn't do it for me. And Jerry, like Jerry's not enough. And I'm just like, yep, this is a stock sneaking show list. And yes. Jerry gets a little excited, but that's about it. You know, that was actually one of the reasons why I changed how I present deck lists for the challenges in my articles, actually. Uh, really? So instead of some of the feedback that I got was, hey, you know, when you're rep- when you're presenting every list, you know, in a top eight, you know, you don't have much to say about all of them, especially if it's something that you just covered in the last in the other challenge, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so I, now I'm kind of going, OK, I'm always going to show I'm always going to talk about the top two, the, the finalist lists. Those right. are set in stone. I always got to talk about those because those are the finalists. Those yep. are the, they, yep. they matter a lot. And then from there on, I'm going to talk about decks that look interesting in the top eight or decks that I think should be talked about in the top eight. Mm-hmm. Even if it does end up being like a stock list of something, uh, maybe there's something different or maybe there's a reason why it made this far or the pilot matters, you know, that sort yep. of thing. Like if it's a certain yep. pilot, uh, like if I see, you know, Rich Callie in a, in a, in a top eight, I'm certainly maybe going to talk about his list, you know, sure. uh, right. just because, you know, he's such a good, or if I see somebody like my article that's coming out this week, uh, I mentioned there's a player on uh, Magic Online named Interplay, uh, mm-hmm. and they've top aided both the challenge this weekend, the, the Saturday challenge and the showcase challenge on Mono Green Cloud Post. And yep. that's, that's impressive. And they've been yep. pushing that archetype. 
There's a Japanese player on Magic Online named Kanakan who has been playing blue-white Garuda Bomberman, and mm-hmm. they have been absolutely killing it with the deck. Uh, and yep. they actually ended up in second uh, the showcase challenge with the deck. Nice. So they are just uh, they're they're fantastic players out there doing really well with good decks. So I try to kind of like try to do that, and then it also allows me a little bit of freedom when I'm talking about the deck list to also dive yeah. outside of the top eight and look at interesting decks outside of the top eight. Sure. Whereas if so, I'm covering so, every all eight deck lists, that's a lot of space of deck lists. So do you find that like when there's an interesting uh, story behind the pilot, it makes the deck list more intriguing? So like, you know, the the, the storyline behind the deck is more important than necessarily with the cards that are in the deck? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Because it makes it connects more to the the human aspect of magic, right, uh, which right. I always find intriguing. That's why I like talking to people, uh, especially yep. you know the the legacy players I know and I talk to all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I I find that part intriguing because I'm intrigued by how they approach the game and how they approach their chosen strategy or chosen deck. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the good, the, the really good players that I follow on there are all Japanese, <laughs> and <laughs> they, so it makes it kind of hard the language barrier. Yeah, the language barrier. Yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, our friend Ian and Tom from the Dead Format, I think they used uh, Google Translate to to ask a few questions from a Japanese player. Nice. Who didn't, I, who, I don't think he spoke uh, much English, so yeah, uh, that worked out pretty well for them. Uh, well, just I was just say, um, kind of taking a step back before we move too far, too far away. The uh, the data collection uh, historically, Wizards has not been a big fan of players collecting data. Um, have you experienced any kind of pushback with that? Are you still like flying under the radar enough that Wizards doesn't really care? As far as I uh, I understand, they are aware of what the vintage players do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I had heard some conversation about that. And as far as I understand by referring to it as crowdsourced, <laughs> yeah. crowdsourced data where yeah. they're, we're not, they're not using any like programs or anything like they're there's not, no, there's no automation. They're not, yeah. They're not scraping magic online because the one reason why you're having to do this is so wizards used to release all the top five, right. chal- all the top five decks or all the, I'm sorry, all the five O decks and they would release a lot more information. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I think this is more to do with standard, but kind of legacy and vintage got kind of hit in the, uh, the collateral damage. Yeah. Wizards pulled back from releasing that much data because they felt that players were solving standard too quickly yeah. because of there being just too much access to information. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. And so they yeah. pulled everything back and Wizards historically since then has really been guarded and closed off and not very supportive of players trying to collect data. I know Anurag ran into some trouble with that when he was uh, doing kind of like the, uh, you know, commentary on the ground, the gorilla commentary at the mm-hmm. GPs when yeah. Wizards yeah. stopped doing coverage and things like that, where he kind of ran into some stone walls with Wizards yeah. there. So yeah. Wizards seems to be very cautious about yeah. players' data gathering. I, I think I think the major reason that this kind of tends to kind of be something that they just don't care about is a because it's about formats like Vintage and Legacy, where they're just going to be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and also the fact that they're not using any, uh, like you said, not any scraper programs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. To do it, it's all tedious and manual. Uh, and at that point they're like, yeah, we put this in the program for you guys to do we really can't stop you from doing it. 
(laughs) per se not really uh you know and so it's kind of like one of those things where you're like eh okay whatever (laughs) like (laughs) yeah they don't have much to lose i think from people doing that with with legacy or vintage but right i think if i think and i think it's it's unreasonable to try to do something like that for something like standard right oh yeah because i'm sure the attendance is probably much higher yeah. Uh, also, and by, when the, you, by the time you do it in standard, the it'll have changed by the time you actually get it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Silly. Well, so, but really, like, the biggest thing is, like I said, the larger the event, uh, the more uh, power hungry Magic Online is mm-hmm. with watch and replays. And so, yeah. like, that's kind of like the thing. Like, you get a bigger event, like a 200 player event, I'm sure that it's probably chugging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, one of our. One of the people I work I'm, I'm working with now uh, had posted on Reddit uh, some information about the showcase challenge last weekend, which had 214 players, mm-hmm. and uh, he was able to give they were able to give me that information uh, that they the pull, the hard information that they pulled the the match win loss and who, who mm-hmm. was playing what and I was able to fit it into my sheet as a te- the first sheet as a test to okay. kind of kind of get an idea and. It was interesting. So, uh, and yeah, so we actually have a kind of a baseline set out there for that challenge, whatnot, because nice. they sat and watched replays, uh, apparently <laughs> all by themselves and <laughs> compiled it all by themselves. And so now I've got them in the Discord and maybe we can do more. So, uh, that'll be fun. But uh, the, the showcase challenge, the, that data set provided some very interesting information, actually. So, uh, one of which was that, out of the Rug Delver players that were in that uh, challenge, uh, Rug Delver had a perfectly fifty percent win rate uh, uh, with mirrors. <laughs> wow! Like exactly fifty percent. <laughs> is there a way to break up that um, the, the like the amount of work that people do, or is it just kind of like usually? Yeah, usually what happens is um, that, like I said, the vintage guys usually have you know two or three people. Yep, doing this, you know, every week, maybe even four. Like they've got a bunch, they've got a little small hardcore crew of people mm-hmm. that are in the challenges every week, anyways, and so that they're able to do it no matter what. Yep. Uh, so, and a couple of these, and a lot of those guys are playing like two challenges a week okay. and doing this every weekend. So, and they've usually got a bunch of people doing it. So. So that that helps break it up a little bit. Yeah, you just like, hey, you take this section of the replays, I'll take this section. Right. You know, I'll you take this section, just break split it up, the work up a little bit, and that makes it a little bit better. Again, yeah. What we kinda we kinda kinda refer to as crowdsource data. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh yeah, I, I hope that we get to that point. Uh I would be ni- it would be nice to kinda get off the ground here and get some start collecting some data. Yeah. Uh, and be able to start actually figuring some things out because I would like to be able to see for myself what really what's going on and right and just kind of be able to understand a little bit more and then we can maybe talk about like things that may need to get banned or mm-hmm. you know maybe and get... actually have some real like da- like reliable data versus right. just this is what I see in leagues and that's so that's just so um, you know I don't know it's it's hard to call that hard data right yeah there's a lot of thoughts and feelings about the format right now yes yeah. yeah and that's it's it's hard to pull yourself away from that because a lot of that is tied to uh emotional nostalgia mm-hmm. uh you know everybody's always going to be nostalgic for the legacy that they started playing with 
Sure. You know, I mean, I started playing shoot like right after Treasure Cruise. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, I was me too. right me there. Too. I was there for Dig Through Time. Yep. Until Dig Same. Through Time got banned. And I, I remember that. I remember that format well. And I love that format. But I, I know that the legacy we have now is not that format. Mm-hmm. But I can oh, still yeah. find enjoyment, you know, with the format. You know, my my mm-hmm. needs and wants with the format have changed over time, and my desire of what I want to play has changed over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I've, I've played a lot of different strategies in the format at this point, but uh, I find myself really gravitating towards like uh, fast combo a lot now yeah. too. Uh, I'm a big fan of that Karn deck. <laughs> uh, so, uh, also, I was really happy this year that Oops All Spells became a legitimate deck. <laughs> You're the only and, one. Yep. And <laughs> and uh, I was I've been really enjoying playing that too. Yeah. Uh, on occasion, because it's just such a fun deck to just sit down and play a couple games with and <laughs> be like, all right, cool. Did I get there? Nope. Okay, yep. cool. Game yep. two. <laughs> uh, it's a lot more resilient than that now, though. That's what's scary. Yep. Like, it's, yep. it's kind of frightening how resilient that deck is actually now. So, uh, but so yeah, I, 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 but I still play, you know, I played Nick Fit for Eternal Weekend. Uh, so, so that was fun. And uh, I didn't do so hot, but yeah. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing it, at least. <laughs> nice. So I, I played a legitimate five-color, uh, like, well, I say five-color, more like four-colors splashing red for two cards, essentially, mm-hmm. in the main deck, which was uh, Clothus and Omnath, uh, Locust Creation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so I played a five-color deck with no Astrolabes to fix my mana, <laughs> and it, it worked just fine. <laughs> It's one way to do it. Yep. So, uh, you know, it was it was certain. I was playing all the stupid haymakers that you expect to see out of the snow decks. You know, the mm-hmm. the Uro, the Ice Fang Quaddles, the um, Leolold. Your, you know, all those cards that you see out of the deck. And I was playing Abrupt Decay and Source of Plowshares in the same deck without Astrolabe. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and someone, one of my one of my close friends and I did my Discord. There was like, I don't see how you're winning. How you're doing winning <laughs> games. Your mana sucks. <laughs> How are you ever going to cast your spells with uh, with uh, <laughs> without astrolabe? And I said, I don't know, but it keeps working. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. So exactly. <laughs> I got to play that deck on '90s MTG. Actually, that was a lot of fun. Oh, nice! Yeah. I I really like going on with them and playing playing games with them. That, that's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, Chris and the crew there are just awesome. So, yeah, shout out to those guys. Yeah, They're awesome for sure. But uh, yeah. So that's that's the whole data business. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> well, so that's starting. That's starting this week. You said right? Yes. With this challenge coming up. Try, okay. Trying to. Yeah, I've got one yep. person signed on for this week uh, already. I'm trying to get nice. a couple other people involved. Uh, so hopefully we can get some data this weekend. Awesome. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> nice. Uh, what else? What else on the docket today, Jerry? Uh, we got to pull our raffle winner. I was I was gonna say yeah. I thought we had the holiday raffle coming up. Um, what which one is this one? This, this is, is f- this is for the uh, sneak and show. Oh, the uh, starter, starter pack, right? Pack. Yeah. yeah, we got uh, it's uh, it is two Emercools, three Emercools. Let me pull it back here. It's a spicy one. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, it's a Wait. definitely a good uh, starter pack for sure. It, yeah, we got two Emercools, three Grizzlebrand, three Through the Breach, two Inferno Titan, and a World Spire Worm. Nice. All donated by our friend Rich Spoonholes. Awesome. Mm. I love Rich. 
Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he is he's the great. best. Rich is so, good people. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna roll a d12 here, Jerry, and that's gonna tell us how many times we're gonna we're gonna random generate these numbers here. Okay. Yep, we got uh, so that's, 82, 82 right, so that's a entries. Seven. So we got 82 entries. I'm going to do this seven times. So one, two, three, four, five, six, and lucky number seven, number 49. 49. Yes. So. And I played football in high school with a linebacker who, who uh, wore number 49. He was a savage. So it's a good number. <laughs> it's a good number. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> going to Joseph Gardner. Nice, our boy. We're getting him back in it. <laughs> Joe Joe sold his collection uh some time ago because he had uh he had twins, which are uh, you know kids are all right, but they're not magic cards, right? Pat? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Wait, it's wait, true. wait, wait. Oh no, no, no! I was gonna make a bad joke. I was gonna make a bad joke, but I won't. No, that's no, no, so I, I can't. I can't gonna, do it. Can't do it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna claw joe back into the game get him out a, a little sneak and show starter pack oh i love it i love it that's awesome uh so that's awesome uh for this week's so we're gonna do something a little different pat uh mark brothers sent in a bunch of sweet play mats uh and so instead of doing a raffle for those i figure mm-hmm. we're gonna do a uh kind of a silent auction okay. on the uh the facebook page all right uh, there's some sweet play mats it's the uh Gaia's Cradle. Ooh. Mm. Uh Lion's Eye Diamond. Ooh. And then also a look at me, I'm the DCI. Uh, signed by Mark Rosewater. Really? Ooh, I might try to get that one. <laughs> That's great. So three sweet ones. Uh, also, I, I believe uh, James Cooney is sending in another one, so we might have some other play mats up for uh, sign auction. But yeah, if you're hearing this, uh, go on the uh, Facebook page where you can put a bid in uh, for some of these sweet limited edition uh, play mats. Uh, I think maybe we'll put up uh, the Leaving a Legacy play mats as well. Pat. Yeah, we can definitely do a, one, a couple of those and. And uh, and then next week I have a spicy one from our friends at uh, Skull Clamp MTG. So uh, we're gonna set that aside for next week. It's a a sweet sweet uh, uh, set of cards he sent up for us. So we'll awesome. get into that one next week. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna do the silent uh, silent auction this week. We'll be back with uh, raffles the week after that, and I'll get this mailed out to Joe. And next week, Pat, I'm pumped. We're doing another art episode next week. Yes, friend- yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one too. Our friend Dakota's coming back on, so we're gonna review art and we're going to drink a bunch and it's going to be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. So uh, we'll probably start a thread on the Facebook page. Uh, I think we're going to do holiday themed this time around. We're going to review a bunch of uh, holiday magic cards. So post up on the Facebook page, your favorite holiday magic cards for us to do an art review for. Are there a lot of holiday themed magic cards? Yes. Yeah. Well, wizards comes out with a, with a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, plus, I mean, we have like Ice Age and, you know, the the definition of holiday themed is pretty loose, Pat. OK, that's fair. All right. Good, 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 good. Fruitcake elemental or bust. <laughs> it's got to be awesome. fruitcake elemental. Yeah. 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 It's just such nice. a gross looking magic card. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to make fruitcakes for people. And that, I mean, that stopped when I was still a child. So I never actually ate one. But. Even as a kid, I thought these look disgusting. Like they're, my mom's a wonderful cook. I'm like these look awful. Oh God, never! I've never had fruitcake, and I I hope I never do. 
it can't same. be good, right? <laughs> no, it's... but like at the same time, people hate people hate candy corn, and I I like candy corn. I think it's oh, I think it's that's because that's I, candy I, corn is delicious, Pat. I can't stand candy corn, so I'm sorry. <laughs> See, yeah, so some people like hate it, and other people love candy corn. It's a it's a texture thing for me. Like I just don't care for the, like the texture of it. Sure, yeah, yeah. so. Uh, and you can also like feel your cavities forming in your yes, mouth. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, my my wife bought like candy corn kettle corn from Dollywood last time we were there, and I was just like, it had little bits of candy corn in it, and I'm just like, I can't. Like, <laughs> I just, I just can't. Sorry. <laughs> like, I know it's just supposed to be flavored that way, but having the little bits in there may just turned me off of it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um. Awesome. All right. Well, Jerry. Uh. Do you want to get into it? We can wrap it up this week. We're going to get into scoops. Scoops. Every week we do uh, scoops in the top eight. It's a way for us to shout out, uh, you know, people or I don't know, stuff, you know, just a good vibes <laughs> kind of segment. And we'll let our guest uh, start us off this week. Joseph, uh, who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Gee, that's hard. Uh, I guess it could, actually it could be the Mandalorian, even if you want. I mean, it, yeah. you know, like, we, you can go. We, we can scoop the Mandalorian in. That's pretty good. But I, I think it's mainly. Uh, the people in the legacy community that I've uh, interacted with over this past year. Uh, I'm coming in up up on in January in my first year of being uh, involved with this column. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've just been so grateful to have uh, so many people willing to step out and help uh, when needed. Uh, we've done a bunch of the roundtables this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had a grand opportunity to talk to a various number of uh, legacy community uh, people, content creators, that sort of thing. Um, definitely uh, guys like Brian Koval, Bill, uh, Phil Gallagher, um, too many to name. <laughs> uh, so everybody knows who they are. Uh, Callum Smith is another one uh, yeah. that I, I love to death. I love Callum a lot, and uh, he's always been uh, very helpful. Uh, Marcus, um, I would like to respond on Magic Online. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's great. Uh, every time I post something about uh, a roundtable, he's been involved with one already. Every time he's uh, I've posted about it one, he's always there. Like, hey, do you need help? Do you want mm-hmm. you know my opinion? You know, I love that. Um, the guys from In Response uh, Legacy Podcast. Uh, that's a relatively new podcast that started this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys are great. Uh, also, um, the guys over at Eternal Turtles. Yeah. Um, like Nate, I talked to Nate Golia a bunch and he, he's just great. I love him. Yep. Uh, so yep. yeah, just, just the legacy community in general, the people that really make this format so much fun to play yeah. is really what I love about this format. It is. I think it's the strongest thing here for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. And, and excuse you guys. Cause, uh, you know, <laughs> you guys have been doing this for a long time and, uh, especially this, uh, this cast and stuff. And so Thanks, we man. definitely we, we... appreciate you guys being here. Uh, we so. love we, we we appreciate it. We I feel very lucky that we get to do this every week for people, and that people still listen to us ramble on even when we have uh, incoherent things to say. Mostly, <laughs> me. mostly me. But uh, but no, it's a it's very much appreciated, man. And really, congratulations. I mean, almost a year. That's really fantastic. I mean, it's it's uh you know I try to read your articles every week they come out, and I think you do a great job with it. And I think it's uh, a boon for the uh, legacy community for sure. Thank you. Of course. Uh, how awesome. about you? Who, how about you, Jerry? You have any scoops in the top eight this week? Uh, I'm going to scoop in our boy, Jeremy Aronson. Uh, he recently (laughs) sent out a ton of cards to the community for everyone who 
was signed up for his 40k that unfortunately could not go to it due to covid mm-hmm. uh so i got my little packet in the mail from jeremy and i just wanted to scoop him at scoop him in because you know he definitely didn't have to do something like that but right he just he just wanted to do a little kindness for the community and uh, I got my package of burn spells, Pat. So uh, that'll keep me warm this cold winter. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw. I'm hoping that my shitty post office didn't lose them because I, oh. I didn't get mine yet. So, oh no, I, I have not said anything to Jeremy because I'm I'm hoping that it's just they're running late because you yeah. Know, it's like, we have, I live I live in a literal one stoplight town, so sometimes things get a, take a little long to get here. But I li- I also live across the street from the post office, so I'm kind of calling bullshit on that anyway. <laughs> so, but we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. So so, so I got well, a uh, I got a judge promo monastery mentor from him. I saw Ooh, that. So that nice. was cool. That was cool. Uh, but the highlight uh, of seeing all these ones get posted uh, is that one of my friends on the Legacy Discord. Uh, posted the one that they got today, and holy crap, did they hit the lottery? What did uh, they get? He got. He sent them a gilded Drake. Oh, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, and I was like, was like, and then I remembered, oh yeah, gilded Drakes are like eighty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, gilded Drakes well, for the longest time were like five bucks a piece, and then they shot up. Yep, yep. So yeah, that was cool to see. But there's been a lot of really cool things to see, and yeah, Jeremy, just man, yeah, he didn't have to do it, but. I'm so glad he did because it just it really really gives people that sense of community for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely one of the good ones for sure. Yep. Awesome. What about what about you, Pat? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna scoop in Boba Fett this week because I think uh, I think think that his uh, his helm should be uh, carved up on Mount Washington with other great leaders of the world, and uh, and I think he's. uh, I think uh, I think uh, I need to add a third Boba Fett tattoo somewhere in my body. So I'm I was uh, watching him get back on the armor. I mean, seeing uh, seeing uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant in the Boba Fett armor was pretty awesome. Just seeing the armor on somebody, and then seeing uh, 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 Fett back in the actual armor and just kicking ass was uh, it 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 was something I've been wishing for since I was literally like a child. So. Uh, seeing that wish fulfilled as an adult uh, was was really really awesome, and uh, we're gonna get so and, much hate mail from people who haven't seen the episode yet, Pat. <laughs> well, listen, listen, it's like a super hot show, and uh, I'm sure Justin can. Uh, you know, Justin, don't edit, don't put in any spoiler alerts. Actually, yeah. put this clip at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. There chance. you go. You know, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's funny. Uh, so we've been opening the uh, Lego Star Wars Advent Calendar. Uh-huh. The, the since you know oh, December first. So cool. I did, oh, and, that's awesome! I didn't know they had one. That's yeah. Great. And so, like, I think like day four or five, one of the days four or five was like a miniature Razor Crest. Oh, sick. and and behind my back, my wife disassembled it and put some red pieces around it. And said, "Look, it's show accurate now." <laughs> oh, <laughs> I went, no. oh. That's awesome. Oh, so bad. That poor guy and his poor ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, wait, what? wait. Is is the Lego Advent Calendar like a Lego set every day? Yeah, you get a, like a tiny little. You either get like a figure or a tiny like little ship or something like that every day. That's super cool. So, and then like I guess like it's probably the last one, which is probably twenty five. But the special figure is like Darth Vader and like a Christmas sweater. Oh. I'm so, looking it up right now because I'm gonna buy one for myself. Yeah, My kids already have having calendars. They have the yeah. shitty, they have the shitty like chocolates in them. This yeah, would have been way better. We do a ton of Lego in this house. So yeah. Oh, me yeah. too. Yeah. Oh yeah. My so. kids love Legos. Love oh, yeah. Legos. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm still dog. on the hunt for like a uh, a uh, Millennium Falcon for my kid, or like a Ugh. Star Destroyer. I would like to pick up the Razor Crest at some point, but I just don't have the money for it right now. Yeah, so, but yeah. they're can like su- stupid, stupid expensive Lego. I don't understand why oh, they're yeah. so expensive. But can I can I make a prediction for uh, this week's Star Wars? Speaking of, yeah. So Go for since it. the so spoiler alert, since the Razor Crest was blown up in last week's episode. I'm calling it now. Boba Fett dies next episode and leaves Slave One to. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna kill Pat's dreams here, man. <laughs> I can I, already I see. see my, I can already my, see him. My He's camera upset. isn't high def, but there's a single tear rolling down my cheek. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Bo- Boba awful. Fett's gonna die. Boba Fett's gonna die, and uh, Mando is going to inherit uh, Slave One. I mean, for 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 what it's worth, he looks like shit. Like, he oh does yeah. Not look, oh, yeah, he does Boba, not yeah. look great. Like, no. he put the armor on, and uh, that actor well, like probably could have cut a little bit like, of weight. He had his. He's like he's like sixty five. Okay, he's like sixty five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, he, Boba Fett was uh, what like forty when Empire Strikes Back yeah. comes out. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He could have cut a little bit of weight for that role. He had a, uh, you know the. <laughs> the the chess piece barely fit around him. You know, so. <laughs> oh man! But no, yeah. it was. I mean, that's uh, what Sarlacc does to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess yeah. I guess we can forgive him for that for falling into the pit of Sarkud. So it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah. rough, a little rough. Yeah. I I remember reading the book. I mean, I was I was a young adult at this point. I was probably oh I was I was actually no I was a full on adult when I was reading the Star Wars books. I was in like my twenties, and uh, there was like the bounty hunter. Like there was like a series of four books or whatever. And uh, one of them was about Boba Fett being rescued from the Sarlacc by Dengar. Yes. Which I thought was pretty, which, which I thought was pretty awesome. I don't know if they're going to make that canon in this universe, but like I said, man, uh, I've been waiting for the return of Boba Fett since I was a kid and seeing it happen uh, was fucking awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So. It, was, it was pretty good. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was really great. And I've, for- and I've been watching, um, I've been watching uh, the Mandalorian every week with my kids. So Friday nights uh, after dinner, we'll all sit down on the couch and watch The Mandalorian together. So it's actually pretty funny because I'm usually telling my kids, guys, be quiet. You know, I'm trying to watch this. Be quiet. And meanwhile, like Boba Fett's on screen. I'm like yelling and stuff. And I'm like, so, but yeah, it was great. Yep. Yeah. I will. I will actively take time off of whatever I'm doing when the episode is on every week and I'll just yep. sit and watch. We'll sit and watch it. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. They, they obviously, so for us, like the, uh, you know, my, both my wife and I are both big fans of like the expanded stuff that has come out of like Clone Wars and Rebels and mm-hmm. those things. So we're both like really big Ahsoka Tano fans. So that was mm-hmm. like a real like clencher episode for us. Uh, uh, and my wife's one of those, you know, who's like, you know, <laughs> looking at it and going, why are her Montreals so short? I don't get it. And she's like that. <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like. Nah, she's like she did good, but <laughs> I, I imagine it was probably because in a live action thing it would have been unwieldy. That's that's yeah. my only guess, right? That that's 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 kind of what they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, she was like, it just really ruins the immersion for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh huh, nerd. <laughs> like, maybe they, yeah, maybe they shrink as as they get older. I don't know. <laughs> no, they actually they actually grow. Yeah, that makes uh, more sense. Because yeah, isn't yeah. there like a real fat blue one? Who's in the yeah. Clone Wars? Who has super long? I don't know what they're called, but super long. Um, ones. I know um, Shock T. Talking about so Shock T had like really long ones because she was yep. exceptionally old. So uh, uh, Ahsoka Tano's a Tegruda. Her montrails are the things that come down from her uh, on each side of her head. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yes. It, yes. 
for her age that she should be in Mandalorian, they should technically be like down to like her belly. Mm-hmm. If not like a little further than that, because they just continue. They're like appendages. They just grow. Right. As they, as they get older. So that, that was one thing that I know a lot of people, there were actually a fair amount of people that were kind of like, eh, that was like kind of upset about that. Yeah. But, I, I, I can't get too nitpicky on that stuff. No, uh, you no. Know, they, ha- they have to make it work. And it, it is a, you know, there's only so many awesome things. They, there's only so many things they can knock out of the park. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, the, but, she, she did fine. Anyway, yeah. she was great. Like, uh, you know, a, a plus to, you know, being able to wait, they're, pull- they're fairly long in, in the Mandalorian. They, they're like, yeah, they're like a two her like, but they're much longer. Like even in, um, even in episode, what was episode two or episode three? Doesn't she get killed in episode three? Oh, in, in which one? Uh, in, in, um, uh, uh, revenge of the Sith. No. Isn't, doesn't she get shot down by clone troopers when they execute order 66? No, she, are you talking about Ahsoka? Ahsoka isn't in the movies. Ahsoka. No, no, she's not. Oh, maybe that's, is that Shock T who gets shot? Uh, oh no. What you're, oh, who you're talking about is not a Togruta. That's a Twi'lek. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm they're a sim- very similar race, though. Yeah. Yes, but I'm. Yeah. I am, you're right. I am. Is now I'm. Uh, now I remember, I, yeah. You're talking about Isla Secura. Yeah. Yeah, yep. is who you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, Tagruda have like a long one on their back and the ones on the side of their head. Right. Whereas Twilight, it kind of grows out from their heads outwards. Yes. So yeah, I know way too much about Star Wars races. Trust me. No, I mean it's, it's yeah, you definitely know way more than I do for sure. <laughs> Having watched Rebels and Clone Wars like a million times. Yeah, so I'm so. I'm just getting into Clone Wars now. I think I'm in I might be in the second season and it's like it is it has exceeded I like I've heard it was really good and to me I was like, ah, it's a it's a cartoon and it can't be that great, but it has exceeded my expectations for sure. Oh, just wait. Just wait. Like yeah, it's, the, it's really the last good. the last four episodes of the series are quite literally among the best. They're they're literally better than the entire Disney trilogy. Wow. Okay, so I, I'm excited the, because the, quali- the quality is that good. I, yeah. I am afraid I might be doing it a disservice because I watch it kind of passively when I'm like making dinner or doing dishes. So I, I, I think it's probably okay. Yeah, I I will do my best to uh to pay a little bit more attention. But um, yeah, so, so far it's been re- it's been really good, really good. So so fun fact, uh, the very first time that you get to meet. In the Clone Wars, at least, that you get to meet uh, Bo-Katan mm-hmm. with where Bo-Katan gets to meet uh, Ahsoka Tano for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo-Katan slaps her on the butt. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you'll get it when you get to that episode. But that's awesome. Funny. Yeah, just awesome. just wait for it. It's hilarious. But All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Between. So. uh what I find is interesting about the Clone Wars is that the Clone Wars is literally about two different characters mm-hmm. in the entirety of the entire, it, like, it's not even really about, like, guy people like Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, yeah, they're in episodes, and yeah, you get a lot more backstory on what lead, an, leads Anakin into episode three, mm-hmm. but quite literally, the show is literally about Ahsoka Tano, <laughs> and the other character that it's about is Darth Maul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and yeah, and, and Maul is the other character that has like the most insane amount of character development. 
That is interesting because I, I mean, well, we're probably getting too far on a jet on a Star Wars tangent, but I, I'm unapologetic. It's interesting because you have Anakin's Padawan, and then you have uh, Sidious's uh, like apprentice, right? Is essentially yes, what, yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting that like dichotomy there. Hmm. Yep, yep. It's cool. it's pretty cool. So and Rebels is also just fantastic. So yeah, I've watched. I think Rebels had like maybe four seasons. I think I watched four the seasons. first two with yeah. my how, yeah. So yeah. I think I watched the first two with my son, and then we kind of it was one of those things where like we'd watch it on TV, and then we got rid of our DVR, and then I never watched it again. So I have to go yeah. back and watch those as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, how do you how do you feel about the fan theory uh, that uh, Luke Skywalker is? technically king of the mandalorians because darth maul killed the mandalorian to get the uh the dark saber and then obi-wan killed darth maul and then darth vader killed <laughs> and then well, Luke killed darth vader so by default luke skywalker is now king of the mandalorians but don't you have to possess the dark saber to, con- you do. to be considered yeah like- but but in order to get the dark saber, you need to kill the previous owner. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Moff, I, Moff Gideon's just a just a poser. He just found the dark <laughs> saber. That that's that's another thing that's kind of all over uh, various parts of Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Is is that thing? Yes, uh, I, I'm, I'm watching so. the part right now where there's Mandalore and like the there's someone who's looking for the dark saber right now. It's, yeah, it's pretty yeah. interesting, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool but yeah uh but also uh yeah mall yeah mall <laughs> yeah hey mall and i think it's mostly because uh um i can't remember the guy's name offhand but mall's voice actor yeah uh is exceptional yes uh like he's just so good in that yeah. in that show uh and he's equally just as good in rebels Yep. so yeah so is I, it the I'm, same I'm, voice actor for both same same yep yep, yep. nice i love that so and I, they also introduced thrawn in the rebels in season three i remember four, that yeah so, yeah i so think thrawn. he's gonna be in mandalorian too i think right? i don't know if he'll be in mandalorian but there was that was definitely seeding for something well because yeah. ahsoka tana mentioned thrawn right that's what yeah. she was looking for yeah there, but i've also heard that uh ahsoka is going to be getting her own spinoff yes in talks. oh I think thrawn, I that's think awesome yeah. That's yeah. Thrawn's gonna be the, <laughs> the villain of the Ahsoka Stano spinoff. Yeah, Probably, it, more than likely. I've heard that there's she's contracted for like three movies, which is interesting. Like she has a I, film I, contract I deal. More, I so. almost have more faith in them doing the show, the TV shows, better than the movie though. Yeah, I I, like I, t- I have a feeling that Taika Waititi's film will probably end up being pretty good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just because it's Taika Waititi, yeah. Well, that's, so. that's the thing. I I feel Solo would have been so much better if they had made it into a show. Like I think Solo setup would have been perfect for a uh, like a Netflix miniseries. I actually didn't like think that. that movie was that bad. No, I didn't but, think so either. Yeah. I just think they crammed too much into it. Yeah, if they had. If it, they had I can see that. Out into, yeah. If instead of like one movie, it had been eight hour long episodes, mm-hmm. I think Solo would have yeah. been much better. Yeah. I I. I I'm a lot higher on that show than most people are on that movie than most people are because I, I I actually got a recently got a chance to sit down and rewatch it again, not too long ago, and I thought, you know, like this wasn't as bad as people made it out to be when it came out, and I think it's just people were riding so high off of the hatred that they had for Last Jedi <laughs> that they yeah, just exactly. didn't want to see it, and it was probably just like kind of like similar to what we talk about with like Wizards with like product fatigue. 
you know, yeah. film, film, Star Wars film fatigue. Yeah, we got and... dumped. I mean, but there was such a drought for so long that, like, I yeah. just was like, I was like, yes, open the spigot. And, like, then it was like, oh, it's too much. Not like this. Tur- turn it off. <laughs> yeah, turn it yeah, off. Please. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. Drown so... me in Star Wars. No, no, not like this. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think, it, I think it was a fine movie. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I thought there were parts of it that were kind of fun, you know. Uh, I liked Woody Harrelson in it. I thought he was oh, excellent. Yeah, so good. Uh, and um, the Donald Glover as Lando was also really, really, yep. really good. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I I liked it as a movie, but you know, I can see why people didn't like it. But mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I'm gonna watch it anyways and just form my own opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, just like how Jerry's opinion about how Rogue One is bad is wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all have character flaws. I, I, I asked my, I asked my, li- ask the listeners. All right, name any one character from Rogue One, and I bet you you can't. You know why? Because it's a bad movie with <laughs> absolutely bland, forgettable characters. The best character is just K two S O. Yeah, K two S O is really good. If yeah, your if yeah. your answer to like favorite character is the monk dude and the guy with the heavy machine gun, like Ch- when those are your those are your two descriptors for the two most d- in- imaginative characters. Chariot Chariot was pretty good. I, I uh, yeah. Uh, I don't even know who you're talking about. <laughs> that was the the blind monk Chariot. Yeah. Ah, okay, the monk dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, man. The All only right. the only one whose name really blanks on me in that movie at this point is um off in an offhand basis is the pilot's name, and I just don't ever remember his name, honestly. Oh, but, the one, oh, one played by Riz, Riz Ahmed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I, ever remember I his name. I actually forgot, that, but, I forgot uh, that character existed yeah, in that. Um, <laughs> you know, Saul Guerrero also was great to see. Oh, he was so uh, good. Yeah, so yeah good. I was very impressed with uh, yeah. Forrest Whitaker. Yep. So It's but, cool to see actors with, like, real, I mean, real gravitas on the screen, too, doing Star Wars stuff. It's always very interesting to me, you know? I mean... Mandalorian is basically a running SNL cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just. Can I tell you how excited I was to see Bill Burr and right again? And Jerry was and like, "Now back. Space Boston is canon." I'm like, "That's the best thing ever." Yeah, yeah. yeah I, yep, I heard yep. that and I instantly love it. Yeah, space Space Boston is canon. Yep. Bill Burr is from Boston. Bill Burr is in Star Wars. He, therefore, no, Boston no effort is. to like reduce his Boston accent whatsoever, which is like the nope. best move of all time. Yep, <laughs> yeah, yep. Just, just straight up. I'm from I'm Bill Burr. I'm from Space Boston. <laughs> I don't, I'm pretty sure he was just Bill Burr. I don't think they changed his name. They just condensed it, and that's his that's his uh, Star Wars name. Bounty Hunter Bill Burr. <laughs> so, so if you want if you want a good one to watch, there's the um, they did an honest trailer. For the Mandalorian. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and that there's a big joke in there about how it's like a lot of SNL like alumni, <laughs> and they actually do like an SNL like uh, intro. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that With out. everybody that's been on yeah, that that is a bit of comedian or whatever that's been in that show. <laughs> And uh, of course, the guest host is Taika Waititi. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they even put a laugh track to one of the scenes. Oh my god! And it's actually hilarious. super funny. Yeah, well That's... worth watching. Yeah, I'll watch that tonight. That's on my list. Yeah, now. Awesome. super super funny. All right, well, I, let's wrap it up here because we've been going for a little bit now. Uh, Joseph, thanks for coming on this week, man. It was great to have you. Thank you for guys for having me. I appreciate of course. it. And we yeah. wish you. Uh, uh, if we don't speak to you, you know, in the next few weeks, happy holiday and. Uh, 
you know, Merry Christmas or whatever and a Happy New Year. I hope you have a, have a good one with the fam and uh, have some time to yeah. enjoy, enjoy each other's company. I have a six-year-old, so Christmas is interesting. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I've, uh, uh, my Actually, my youngest has just turned six at the beginning of the month, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's certainly interesting. Uh, uh, she uh, wants to everything, you know. <laughs> she's got her book, and she's circled everything she oh, wants. Yeah. Yep. And it's 90% of it's like LOL dolls and Barbies and all this other stuff. And <laughs> I'm like, you have to like be able to clean up your playroom. Oh, oh we have the same to... discussions with our kids. <laughs> yeah. And then like it comes like the week before Christmas, I take a big black trash bag and we donate a bunch of stuff. <laughs> hey, guess what we're doing tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite literally, that's yep. what we're doing to do yep. tomorrow with some so, stuff. So uh, yeah. we, yep. we do so. this every year. <laughs> I know yeah. your pain, man. I know your yep. pain. Yep. So, but it's good. Like she's she's a good kid. So yeah. she, she's very smart, uh, and she's rolled with the punches this year of yeah. having to do kindergarten and stuff like that virtually. And oh, really? so um, so I've been lucky. Both my kids have been in school full time, thankfully. So uh, she did her first nine weeks virtually, and then they did hybrid mm-hmm. for like two weeks before Thanksgiving. And then our school district was like, "Hey, guess what? Uh, with Thanksgiving break, you're going to be off till January." Ugh. And we're that, like, make, oh. that makes no sense to me. Man. Okay. <laughs> and then, so she's going to go back in January to hybrid. Uh, but then they added like another month on the, on the back end of <sighs> school being done. So they don't really, they weren't really off for a month, you know, extra, right. you know, a extra couple weeks. It was just the fact that they added a couple more weeks at the yeah. end. So, but it, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, she's rolling with the punches and yep. honestly for, you know, this being kind of a brand new thing for her, she's done really well with it. So it, I it's amazing really how, how, how malleable kids are. Yeah. Both my kids have yeah. done, have done really well with the changes and uh, yeah, I'm just excited by, you know, this time next year we should be back into a, you know, some sense of normalcy. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I have a lot of places I want to go next year. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Boy, I hope so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Joe, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you, man? Uh, so uh, you can reach me on Twitter as always at VolrenthXP, uh, and then uh, my articles that you can find are on MTG Goldfish. Generally, every Tuesday and every Thursday for mm-hmm. uh, Legacy and Vintage, respectively. Uh, had a little bit of a snag in getting mine out on time this week, uh, just because I was driving all day on Monday mm-hmm. and uh, had to kind of work at it last night and uh, this morning to get it all done. Takes a while to get stuff done. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, usually it's usually it's uh, on a normal week. It's every Tuesday is legacy and every Thursday is vintage. Okay. Awesome. So, and yeah, and I'm omnipresent and pretty much like a million (laughs) legacy discords. Uh, so if there's a legacy archetype discord, I'm usually in it. Uh, if it's, uh, something that is interesting to me, uh, I also run, uh, a couple discords for legacy for magic archetypes. Like I run the dredge discord and I mm-hmm. run the, uh, N- the Nick fit discord. Uh, so I'm in those, you can find me in those. I'm in the main legacy discord. I'm in the MTG goldfish discord. So, you know, if there's listeners that are frequent there. Yeah. They can find me there as well. So awesome. So I'm in a lot of different places <laughs> and, uh, and, and then I also have, um, I also have my my buddy and I also have our own podcast that we started this year, right? Uh, which is uh, the Astrolab. Yeah, cast. how's that going? 
Uh, we're on going to be starting. We're going to be recording episode twenty six this week. Congrats! So, That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, it's going well. Uh, we, it gives me kind of an outlet to talk about magic stuff that I don't normally get to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like last week we. Uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, we spent literally about three hours. Ninety percent of that was talking about Mandalorian. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the other half of that was talking about metal bands, mm-hmm. uh, and we also managed to get some conversation about Secret Lair in there a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, which is where the metal band conversation came from because of the whole metal. I I, you know, I dig, I dig those arts. Those are pretty great. So yeah, pretty so great. and I'm a big big metal fan, so it was kind of cool to see that being a thing uh i still disagree with the how the product line exists the, the secret letter product line itself but yeah i'm, it's, I'm it's, glad that those things exist yeah, yeah yeah so uh but yeah so yeah it's been it's been pretty good we we complain a lot but you know that's who well, does magic players and, right that's part of that's <laughs> right, in dna so right so but we've had a good time doing it and it's been uh pretty interesting so awesome uh Awesome. All right. Well, people, check that out. Check out the articles, uh, Legacy on Tuesdays and Vintage on Thursdays. And uh, and that's it. I guess, Jerry, we'll, we'll catch everyone next week, right? See you all next week for all the right. art episode. Thanks again for hanging out, Joe. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you guys again. All right. We'll catch you all next week, guys. Come on down to